Cool. Yo, let's hear it for our praise band real quick. Because that was, I don't know how much, I don't know how closely y'all follow like Christian music industry, but that song they opened up with, House of the Lord, that song's only like two weeks old. All right, and they're, they're already singing it and they're killing it. So uh, thank you to them for leading us today. Um, so like I said, I'm Ethan Fisher. I'm the student pastor here. Um, I'm going to be preaching today as uh, Derek is in the children's wing. Um, and so off the bat, I, I do want to let you know something. I was nervous for today, all right? Um, not to speak, though, all right? Usually I'm not nervous to speak. I, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've gotten pretty good at it. Um, I'm usually mostly nervous to speak about particular subjects. Um, and so as Derek and I, probably about two months ago, we're kind of planning out our summer, um, kind of planning out this adulting series, um, we kind of made the decision that today the 25-year-old youth pastor with no kids um, is going to talk about family discipleship. So today, uh, as we kind of continue on in our adulting series, that's exactly what we're going to do. Dale, I'm going to slide your pad up just a little bit here, bud, so I don't step on it. Um, and so basically, um, as we kind of navigate this situation, um, I, or really as I navigate the study of today's sermon, um, I, I kind of came to a realization that really the Word of God is just simply sufficient. Okay, so it doesn't really matter who is bringing it as long as they are bringing the, 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 the truth. Um, and so as long as you can listen to this 25-year-old youth pastor with no kids on family discipleship, I promise not to give my opinion, but rather to give you simply truth from the source, if that's cool with y'all. Can we do that? Is that good? All right, cool. Um, so let's, let's get something straight here as well as when it comes to adulting, right? Because uh, uh, at least for my generation, adulting is usually used as a term to celebrate mediocrity, all right? Let's just put it that way. Because um, usually uh, if someone says, oh, I'm adulting after they've done something that's really usually not that great. Um, as an example, um, I went to probably the greatest source of truth, um, as we all know, it's called Twitter. Um, if you go to Twitter, and there's a little search bar at the top, if you just type in hashtag adulting, um, there's some actually, there's some pretty um, neat things there. Um, uh, I have six examples here that I thought were just absolutely uh, terrific. The first one, um, this is, a, again, a tweet on Twitter. <laughs> it says, watching a city council meeting with a glass of wine, hashtag adulting. Oil change on my day off, fun, hashtag adulting. Look how nice my floors look with my new steam mop, hashtag adulting. My door handles are so pretty, hashtag adulting. I'm not sure what that has to do with being an adult, but for whatever reason, this girl thought that that was awesome. Uh, this one, uh, let's, let's say this one together at the end. Um, I had to call the card company today because my card wasn't working. Are you guys proud of me yet? I'm hashtag adulting. There it is. Number six, I'm pretty sure hashtag adulting joy, joy occurs when your new washer and dryer is being installed. I'm totally geeking out right now. So... Um, just a few examples of how basically my generation views this, uh, this concept of adulting, right? It's, it's usually this mediocre, like, thing that, like, oh, once I get this kind of small thing, like, oh, man, I just spent, like, six hours at the DMV. I'm adulting. Great. All right. That is not what we want you to get out of this series, right? Even though it's called adulting, really, we don't want you to leave on Sunday mornings, as any Sunday morning, with kind of like a laundry list of things to do, right? Because that's kind of the way our culture sees this concept of adulting is kind of like, oh, these are things that I have to do in order to reach this particular 
you know, concept of adulting, right? Um, and really, we don't, we don't want you to think that as you leave today. Really, as you leave today, what we, what we want and what we want out of every Sunday is simply to be more mature disciples of Jesus. Um, and so um, talking about family discipleship um, and really how we as can grow in our um, own relationship with Jesus, um, you're most likely going to fall within three particular categories, okay? Most likely, may not, you might be in between some of these, right? Um, the first category is going to be either pre-kids or no kids, okay? Some people are y'all appalled, y'all call the life of singleness, you ain't going to have kids, that's totally fine. So either, you have, either you, you're not going to have kids or you're going to have kids later and you're pre-kids, okay? That's kind of that first group. Second group is going to be mid-kid, all right? So basically this means you got kids, right? Either they're in the back, they may even try to be in there on Sunday mornings with me, I'm considering this middle school hour, by the way, in case you're wondering, because usually this is what I'm teaching middle school. Um, so you either have kids, or you had kids living with you at some point, and now they are no longer living with you. They're off, they're uh, grown, or maybe potentially even have kids of their own, which would make you a grandparent, right? So those are kind of the three circles that we're going to kind of weave in and out of. But really, as we talk today, we're, we're, I'm, I'm going to be addressing that mid-kid section, and then kind of at the end, we'll kind of tie a bow about how those other two uh, circles really kind of can come together and help and support that mid-kid uh, tribe there. Um, now, if you are kind of a theology like me, I just said pre-kid, mid-kid, post-kid. Um, if you're a theology nerd, that's not new terminology for eschatology. Um, so anybody out there who's just like, oh, hey, I saw that. I did that for you. Um, so um, as we kind of talk about today's the mid-kid, right, um, if you're pre-kid or no kid, don't check out, okay? Don't check out, okay? I don't have kids yet. My wife and I would love to have kids one day. We don't have kids right now. This information is just as valuable to me and my wife without kids as it is with someone with kids, okay? This information is valuable even for those who have had kids and they're already gone, they're already grown. This information is truth, right? Uh, and so we want to uh, know what truth is so we can know the truth and we can teach the truth to other people and we can support people with the truth. Um, and so as we kind of talk, even though some of it may not pertain to you in your particular life stage yet, uh, my, um, my ask, my, my request is simply that you would still listen and pay attention because we are going to wrap it up at the end uh, with how you in your particular stage of life can still be involved with all of that we're going to talk about today. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you, if you're, if you're post-kid um, and after I kind of say what, I've, but what I want to say. Um, what I want to make sure that you know is that I, wa I, I want you to reflect on what I'm saying and be joyful that you, you did exactly what the Lord has commanded families to do. But if you're not and if you have regrets, which most people usually do, um, my prayer for you is simply that you would just know that God is sovereign over life. He's sovereign over your life. He's sovereign over your kid's life. And no matter where you succeed or fail in what we're talking about today, um, you're not in charge of your children's salvation, right? It is only the Lord who can save. Um, and so as we kind of dive in, let's ask the question, what is family discipleship? What even is this concept of family discipleship? And the reality is every single kid is being discipled towards something. You're, like parents are discipling their kids towards something. So when you see someone in this church from children's ministry later on today, I don't know if they're actually going to do this or not, but they run through this thing, and you see kind of this really nice Carolina blue with the UNC logo on it and the Tar Heel, you see that? That's a kid that's being discipled, okay? They are being discipled towards heavenly things, and they are, yeah, all that type of stuff, right? All right, so we want to make sure that we know 
first and foremost, we are discipling our kids towards something. The question is, what are we discipling our kids to? What are we discipling our kids towards? Our goal, our um, mandate, our mission as Christian parents is to disciple towards Christ. Um, And so really, the question shouldn't be, what is family discipleship? The question that we ought to be asking is, what does biblical family discipleship look like? What does it mean for us as Christian parents, for us as Christian moms and dads, as followers of Christ, as believers of Jesus? What does it look like for us to follow Jesus with our families, to have biblical family discipleship? Well, if you're asking that question, I'm super happy because providence of God just kind of led us to this point in my notes. Um, And so basically, um, the definition that we're going to use today uh, for biblical family discipleship is, it's not going to be on the screen, I apologize, but it's simply cultivating an environment that treasures Jesus Christ as Lord and orients your family's life around the things of God. Okay, I'm going to read it again. Cultivating an environment that treasures Jesus Christ as Lord and orients your family's life around the things of God. Okay, notice what's not being said. Nothing in here says anything about making sure that your kids have the best grades. Nothing in here says anything about making sure your kid has the most ball and cleats while they go to baseball practice, right? Nothing in here says anything about the way they look, about the way that they speak, about the way that they, you know, carry themselves. It's all simply about cultivating an environment to treasure Jesus. That's all, that, that, that is biblical family discipleship. Now, the question is, um, how do we do that? How do we cultivate that environment? Well, for the answer to that, if you don't mind, we're going to turn to the Bible, okay? Um, and so basically, specifically in Deuteronomy, okay? Um, some of you may have kind of, if you have a background kind of in any type of biblical studies, um, you know that Deuteronomy is basically a, a farewell writing uh, written by Moses to the Israelites as they are about to enter into the promised land, okay? Everyone, like, most of the time when we talk about, like, the promised land, the Israelites, it's usually about, like, their sin and not being able to get in. Well, they eventually made it. Like, they, it took them a while, you know, lots of falling down, a lot of mistakes, but they eventually did make it into that promised land. And Moses, unfortunately, did not go into uh, the promised land with them, but as they were entering in, he basically did a farewell letter of sorts um, to the Israelites, kind of addressing what it would take for them to be blessed and to stay blessed in the promised land, okay? Um, And so basically, um, this is Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 3. It says this, this is the command. It just says this is the command, not commands, command. Keep that in mind. The statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. So right off the bat, again, it says that there is one command. Yes, we read that there's our, there are statues and there are ordinances. But those statues and ordinances are basically summed up in 
one command, okay? Um, and so basically, what we also want to make sure that we understand is that um, this blessing is not like a prosperity thing, right? Like, we don't believe um, in, the, basically, if you just love God enough, if you have enough faith, then everything's going to go well, right? Um, we don't believe that when it comes to biblical family uh, discipleship, when it comes to, you know, having this, for cultivating a family and an environment that, that just treasures Jesus, having enough faith is not going to get you there, okay? Having enough faith, having enough love is not going to get you there, okay? Um, what it says is that it will, we will be blessed, but prosperity doesn't necessarily mean blessings. Um, I, th I think for the most part, um, sometimes when bad things happen, and then we come out on the other side. When we look back, we actually look at those circumstances as if they were blessings, right? We look back and we go, you know what? Without that experience, honestly, like God used that experience to make me who I am today, right? And so even though it was, it was negative in the moment, it was bad in the moment, you know, that being able to go through that really shapes and molds us to who God wants us to be, right? Um, and so when we read these verses and we talk about, well, as long as you do this, God will bless you. Being blessed does not mean everything goes right 100% of the time, Okay. So I want to make sure that we understand that before we move forward. Um, so yeah, so basically, as we kind of continue, Moses tells us that there's one command to follow in order for us to be blessed. Not just us, but also our families, right? Um, and that begs the question, what is this command? Well, providence of God, he writes it in the very next verse. Um, listen, Israel, this is Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. These verses are beautiful for a, a lot of different reasons. Um, and really, the whole Bible is a, a beautiful work of art that, that we get to come to and really just understand who God is even more thoroughly. But when we, when we see this, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's verse 4. In Hebrew, these verses are known as the Shema. Or um, in Hebrew, it just means hear. Okay? Um, and it, it's, it's a classic Hebrew confession that Jewish people would actually, like, re they recite it literally, even to this day, every morning and night. They recite this, these verses every morning and night. Um, and really what they do is they describe God and who he is and our duty to him, okay? What it means for us to be simply just followers of Jesus. Um, and so verse 5 then continues on and says, the, the command that we're, we're talking about today is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. When it comes down to biblical family discipleship, when it comes down to cultivating an environment that treasures Jesus, the first thing that we have to do is treasure Jesus ourselves. The first thing that we have to do is have a, an actual personal relationship with Jesus ourselves. We cannot teach our children what we already, what we don't possess, right? Like we cannot model love for Christ without a love for Christ. Um, and so when it comes down to what God says is most important about family discipleship, it is to simply love him. Like that's the list, right? Um, it doesn't say that in order for us to 
thoroughly have, you know, a good family discipleship that we have to hit, you know, this perfect 15-minute benchmark on a family on a morning devotion before we go to school, right? It doesn't say that we have to pray every single night with our kids, otherwise they might turn into demon children later on, right? Like, it doesn't, like, there's no list of things that we have to do as parents to basically say, hey, if you do this, then your kid will turn out like this. No, that, the Bible doesn't say that, right? The Bible says simply love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you know what's really cool about that is that at the end of that verse, there's a little symbol there. It's called a period. Um, basically, it, that's the end of the sentence, right? Like, there, it doesn't add on to anything about what we have to do in order to do anything. Because Christianity as a whole, like, in, like the walk that we live with Jesus, is not about the do's and don'ts, right? Um, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but uh, it, it's about who is Lord of your life. And whoever's Lord of your life, everything flows from that. Right? Everything flows from that. So the foundation of biblical, fa- uh, biblical family discipleship starts with our own personal relationship with Jesus. Um, it doesn't say make sure you, your kids have good grades, right? Um, it doesn't say that, you know, make sure your kids have the sweetest kicks and all that type of stuff. Um, it, it, so, and really, this, this one's going to be hard. It doesn't say that even your kids have to be well-mannered, Okay? Um, just get this, this, this might blow some people's minds. Um, a well-behaved kid it may not be a saved kid, okay? We want to make sure we understand that a well-behaved kid may not be a saved kid. At the end of the day, again, not about these adults, do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength? Do our kids love the Lord with all their heart, uh, hearts, souls, and strength? Um, and so basically there are two primary ways of which we can grow in love for God, okay? Uh, one is to read the Bible, okay? Uh, the other is to pray, right? Um, and so we want to make sure, like, I, I think for the most part we want our children to read the Bible, right? Um, I think for the most part, um, I think we look at that and we go, you know what? I think I want my kid reading their Bible, right? <laughs> like, I think that would be a really good thing. But I think we have now have to ask ourselves, are we reading our Bibles, right? Do, are we doing the very thing that we are wanting and expecting our own children to do, right? Um, are we praying? What do, what do our prayer lives look like, right? Um, I, I would say that most of us in this room, if, we have, if you have kids, want your children to be praying to God, right? Um, if you're not praying, then the expectation would be that, or would be a false expectation, because you are not modeling what your own expectation is for your children, um, and, and this goes for anyone in this room, right? Like, we cannot model anything of which we are not already doing. Like, that, that, that's one, one plus one equals two stuff, right? right, right? So we want to make sure that when we are praying for our children, when we're thinking about our children, we're trying to do family discipleship with our children, the number one thing that we have to do is simply just love God. That's it. Love God, grow in love with, for him, and we do that by reading his word and by praying. Um, verse 6 says, the words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. What words are supposed to be in our heart? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Um, and so you might be going, okay, yeah, I love God. I got it. Cool. What's next? Give me the next thing. Okay, but here's the thing. Don't, don't scroll past that, right? I just use the technology first, right? Don't, don't go past that. 
that is supposed to be evaluated, not assumed. Okay? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength should not be an assumption. It should always be an examination. Okay? I just said that on the spot. I don't know where that came from, but it's out of good at the moment. We ought to be able to examine our hearts every single time we come across this verse, not assuming that it's true of us, but rather examining and making sure that it's true of us. Do I love the Lord? Do we love the Lord? Um, our students um, are walking through the book of John right now, um, and it seems like every single lesson it comes up, this idea of who is Lord of your life, okay? And, and really, we talk about this idea because really, whoever is Lord of your life, everything else flows from whoever is sitting on the throne of your heart. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then almost everything else mostly takes care of itself, right? Like, we don't have to kind of worry about some of, some of the things that we typically worry about when it comes to raising our family. If we understand that Jesus is on the throne, he's in control, he makes the decisions, he's the point person, everything points back to Jesus, there's a lot less off of our plate that we have to worry about. Um, and, and I say that because let's, let's get a little, let's get kind of personal. Um, there's going to be no political party or school system that comes after your kids in the same way that Satan does, okay? Satan is not using those entities. Satan's not going to use a political party or a school system to come after Christian kids. Why? Because he knows that you are smarter than that, okay? Political parties and school systems and governments and all that stuff, those things are meant to keep lost people lost, okay? All those things keep lost people lost, what Satan uses against Christian families is a lot more sinister, a lot more quiet. Um, what Satan likes to do um, with families to keep them from loving God um, is, looks a lot more like ball practice. It looks a lot more like busyness. looks a lot more like other things, the extracurricular activities that we tend to mark our calendar, right? So, like, you, like don't underestimate the enemy, right? Like, he is not up there going, you know what? think a democratic president would do it i think that's it i think that's what's going to happen you know the next in four years you know what i'm just gonna have him flip-flop we'll go red we'll go blue we'll go red we'll go blue he's not up there doing that right like he's not doing that he's not even infiltrating your school systems and going you know what i think we ought to teach these things because guess what christian mom's dad he knows you're smarter than that like he knows that you're like he knows that you're not going to fall for that type of stuff because you've already like, you know the bible like, you're good you're all right it's meant to keep lost people lost. It's meant to keep them there so that they don't rise above. And it, it's not meant, it's, those attacks are not for you. Satan's attacks are a lot more quiet, a lot more sinister, and they blend in a whole lot better. And I say that as a primary reason, right? I want to make sure I say that. Like, he could use that for you. But ultimately, primarily, he's not going to do that for Christian things. Verse 7 talks about, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Okay, this is kind of now getting into the, okay, great. I know that I, I need to love Jesus 
as the foundation for biblical family discipleship, but now how do I translate that, okay? How do I, how do I translate that? How do I translate my love for Jesus into my kids, okay? It's the same way you would do any other relationship. What's the, what, how do you, anyone know, how do you build a relationship? Just someone shout it out. How do you build a relationship? What? I think if someone said communication. If you did, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Give your five, five, five. five. Um, communication. Communication is how relationships are built, right? Uh, like we talked about uh, just a moment ago. Prayer is our primary means, uh, is one of our primary means of growing a relationship with Jesus. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is how we build a relationship with people. Or, sorry, communication is how we build a relationship with people. It's how we build relationships with our kids. Mom and dad, check it out. When you want to talk about family discipleship, you're already doing it. And my, my guess is you're actually killing it. Like, you probably talk to your kids about anything and everything all the time, right? Like, when you pick them up from practice, when you pick them up from school, or if you're back in school yet, um, Whatever that conversation looks like, you're having a conversation, right? The goal now is changing the scope, orienting, you know, calibrating that conversation towards Jesus. You're already having a conversation. Now we just need to put some Jesus in there, right? Um, so we want to repeat them to our children. Talk about them when you sit in your house. Um, Playtime. I mean, any, like, how many of you ever play with your kids? Just raise a hand. Yeah, okay. All right, so in these moments when you're playing with your kids, are we implementing Jesus into that playtime, into those conversations, into those moments? When you walk along the road, okay, Bible is not, <laughs> is not uh, outdated. It's not. But if this verse was written today, I think it would look something a little bit more like uh, whenever you're Ubering your children around the place, right? So instead of walking around the road, we're actually in our cars. You know, we're going place to place. Um, you guys do a lot of shuttling, I know. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times, um, and I, I'm so grateful for it. Uh, Tara, she, she literally, every single time we have an event, she texts me like, do you need help? Do you, do you need a ride? Do you need help with rides? Like, <laughs> like, she just knows. She understands that we need help with transportation. Um, and so basically, when it comes to this idea of, like, you're already talking to your kids in the car, right? Um, and really, there's, there's two ways that being in the car can go, right? You can have that conversation, or you can kind of, you know, default it to additional screen time, right? And, and I really want to challenge you just for a moment. If you are alt alternating to a, a more additional screen time, you are missing out on a valuable opportunity to disciple your kids closer to Christ, if in the car all we ever do is we have screens in the back seat and that's all that they ever know, we are missing a golden opportunity for, for discipling our children closer to Christ. <clears throat> Verse 8 says, Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Okay. We're gonna have, we're gonna have conversations with our children, and, and we want them to be Christ, Christ-centered, Christ-oriented, gospel-oriented, right? That that's really that we, we want, first thing is we love Jesus. Second thing is that we have conversations with our kids about Jesus, expressing our own love for Jesus, modeling our love for Jesus. And then the third thing it says, bind them on as a sign on your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. 
This verse is symbolism for teaching us an important truth. Hands in the Bible usually symbolize work. And our foreheads usually symbolize um, mind or knowledge. Um, and so when the, these verses talk about, you know, bind them on your hand and um, as a symbol on your forehead, really what it's communicating is that we ought to be mindful of God's laws and everything that we do and think. Okay? Everything that we do and think. Everything that we do and think should be rooted in what? The love of God. It should be rooted in our love and our heart, soul, and our strength for God. So that was, that's verse 8. Sorry, I lost my place. Verse 9 says, Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Okay. This one, this one's the big deal. This is kind of, this is like the crescendo of the verse right here, right? Um, because really, the verse starts off with, there's one command for you in order to be blessed, in order for your families to be blessed, and for your communities to be blessed. That one command is to simply love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus first. And once you have that personal relationship with Jesus, now we can start having conversations with our children, implementing the love of Jesus in their life. And hopefully that leads them to love Jesus themselves. And then what happens is through that and in our communication of loving Jesus, um, we want to make sure that they understand that loving Jesus is not just simply, you know, something that we believe. It's not something that we simply have in us, but rather it affects the way that we work and it affects the way that we think. And then because we do those things, our families are then trans transformed from the inside out to be gospel-bearing families in a broken world. And so when it talks about writing these on the doorposts of your house and on your cities, the biblical family discipleship, the love of the Lord, is supposed to be the foundation of our communities. And I think if we look around the world right now, we're not really seeing that, right? We're not really seeing that the love of God is the foundation of our communities. Um, usually it's baseball, softball, usually it might be school, it might be fill in the blank, whatever you want to say that it is. But here's the thing, if you, Christian family, Christian mom and dad, with biblical family discipleship, with love for the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength, stand on the foundation of love for, for biblical family discipleship, in a world that is against this family, this biblical family discipleship, you are shining a light in darkness and brokenness to where when those broken families come and see you or they see you in, the, in their community, they look at you and go, that's different. They look at you and you, they, they go, that's, that's different. And you know what that does? It gets them to ask questions. They're like, hey, you know what? Um, and not. Not everyone's going to have the well-behaved kids. Remember, well-behaved kids are not the sign of biblical family discipleship. But most likely, if they love Jesus, they're going to be a little bit more well-behaved than, than the average kid, right? Um, and so basically, if, if we do have this family unit that is built upon the love of Jesus, another family is going to ask questions. and go, hey, what are you doing to, to make your kids do this or what are you doing to have your kids behave in this way? Or what are you doing to, like, what's your secret about having, you know, great kids or good kids? Like, and, and usually it's not out of a place because their kids are bad. It's just they just want to know what you're doing because they, they're curious. And that's when you say, Jesus. It's the love of Jesus. 
Because again, God will use your personal relationship with Jesus to motivate you to teach your kids to love Jesus and then as a family shine a light in the darkness of what a family rooted in Christ looks like. Biblical to family discipleship, as we've said at the beginning, is cultivating an environment that treasures Jesus Christ as Lord and orients your family's life around the things of God. Now, I don't want to brag or anything, but if that kind of sounds a little familiar, you might have visited our student ministry webpage. Okay, um, I'm going to do a shameless plug here just for a little bit. Um, really, if you go to our student ministry page, either online or in our app, um, it says, our, this is the first thing you'll see when you, when you open up the page. It says, RFSM, Rudy Fork Student Ministry, is the student ministry of Rudy Fork Community Church. So far, so good. We exist to simply love, support, and equip students, families, and leaders so that students may grow into mature disciples of Jesus. Our mission is to cultivate a biblical environment for families to grow in their relationships with each other and with God for the advancement of the gospel. Ultimately, our vision is to see families transformed by the gospel and become examples of what a family rooted in Christ looks like in a fallen world. Like I said, I want to brag, but I wrote that myself. I mean, it's pretty good. I just I ripped it straight from the Bible. It's fine. It's cool. I'll I'll give the Bible credit. Um, but basically, um, the church is here to partner with you, mom and dad. Okay, in your family discipleship, in your love for the Lord that motivates you to teach your children, that motivates your children to love Jesus, and in that moment, becoming a biblical family unit that is biblically family discipled biblically discipled, it's in those moments that you really understand that the love of the Lord means that you don't do it by yourself, all right? You can't do it by yourself. You have to have a little bit of help. Why? Because the Christian walk, the Christian life was never meant to li be lived by, by itself. It's never meant to be lived solo, and that includes even family discipleship. Even though there might be multiple units in a family, a single family by itself is not, going, is not going to be as strong as multiple families gathering around one family to strengthen that family up. And what's great is that as we, as a church, surround one family, the family that we're surrounding is actually also surrounding us, right? Like, it's, it's a cooperative measure. It's a cooperative work to be able to disciple each other's kids as well. Like, how cool is it that we get a Reedy Fort Community Church at Brown Summit, North Carolina, um, get to have a religion that started in the Middle East, um, and now, because of that, we uh, now can just simply love one another, love each other's kids, and grow in a relationship with each other and Jesus. Like, that's a totally different story than just simply, oh, well, you know, we don't, we just kind of come in, we just kind of come out, like, you know, we're just visiting or whatever. Like, if you're just visiting or if you've just been coming in and coming out, I highly encourage you. I've been around with these families now for seven to eight months, and almost all these families, I don't have kids. They have surrounded me and my wife like no other church has ever done in the past. Like, the, the absolute acceptance and welcome that my wife and I have experienced at this church has been unmatched by anywhere else we've ever been. And, and I say that because... 
I don't even have kids yet. And families with kids absolutely have surrounded us. And I know that whenever, it, if God, God, Lord willing, if, we, if me and my wife are able to have children one day, I know that me and my wife are not alone in raising our children, and we are not alone in biblical family discipleship at this church. And so, how do you have some of those conversations as a partnership with the church? Well, when you're in children's ministry today, if you, if you have children in the back, raise your, church, raise your hand real quick. All right, do me a favor. When you go back there, ask Wendy, ask Derek, ask whoever. I think we got a couple students back there today. Ask Logan, ask Mia. They're gonna, they have these, these cool little pieces of paper, all right? Uh, on the back, they like the color on them and pretty cool. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Um, but it has a summary of what they talked about today, right? This is actually last week, so this won't be today, so I'm not going to give you this copy. But it has a summary on it. It has their key passage that they went through. And then it's got big questions, family discussion starters, and a family activity on it. Like this right here. Like this is, it's simply a start. Like if you don't know where to start with these conversations with your kids, if you don't know where to start, like, yeah, I think I got this love for God thing right, but I'm just not sure how to have these conversations. Gotcha, fam. Like, it's right there. Boom. Like, it is that easy to just pick this up. Like, you literally just take it with you on your way home, and boom, you can start it in the car. Because how many times have you ever gotten, gotten in the car after church? You'd be like, hey, how was church? I was like, it was good. What did you talk about? Eh, I don't remember. It was five minutes ago. We haven't even left the parking lot yet. Like, what, what do you mean you don't know? Right? Looking at you, Diego. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, I'm really impressed with you, man. I, 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 you've just been sitting there, just admiring me all day. I like it. It's good. I've actually felt really comfortable in this room because, like, almost all of my middle schoolers are here, and I just, yeah, Reese, what's up, buddy? But now, so with all of that said, um, kind of as we close out today, um, if you have no kids, whether you're single. Married with no kids like my wife. What I want you to know, I want you to know something, how this applies to you, okay? If you belong to the body of Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a disciple, if you're going to claim to be a member of this church, Reedyport Community Church, I want you to know, you have a divine responsibility to model your stage of life for the children in this church. If you are single, you are modeling singleness at this church for the children at this church. Me and my wife modeled single no, or sorry, me and my wife modeled married no kids for the children at our church. We are modeling our stage of life for all of the children at this church. That is how you are important into this discussion. Because again, family discipleship is not meant to be done on its own. It's not meant to be done by itself. We need, it, takes a village, right? So we want to make sure that we have, we want to make sure that our kids have examples of what every stage of life looks like. That includes singleness. That includes families with no kids. Um, and if you are kind of in that third group, right, the kid, the, the ones that, you know, you've had kids, you've, they've, they've gone away now, and maybe you have grandchildren, okay? Uh, my hope and prayer is that as you kind of look back at your, your life, as you look back at the way that you've raised your kids, my hope and prayer is that you've gone, you know what? Um, obviously, things were never perfect because we're not perfect. We're human. But you know what? I, I, I honestly, I, I think I did a great job with, with leading those conversations, with partnering with the church, with loving the Lord my God. 
And I want to say, you know, congratulations. That's awesome. Because honestly, it's one of the hardest things that you'll probably ever do in your life is try to raise families and raise kids in a biblical family environment, especially in today's world. But what I also want you to know is that if that's not you. If you, if you look at this and you go, I made a lot of mistakes and I have a lot of regrets. Again, what I said at the beginning, I want you to know, God is sovereign over your life. He's sovereign over your children's life. And at the end of the day, you are not responsible for your child's salvation. You are responsible for simply leading them to the cross. You are simply responsible for getting to them to the point where they can make the decision on their own. Um, and so I don't see them in the back, but I'm going to invite the band back on stage, so hopefully they'll hear me. Um, and so basically uh, what I want to kind of do as we close out um, is simply just reflect on our time, as, 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 as really your time with your children, mom and dad. My guess is that you're already killing this discussion. Like you're already knocking it out of the park. You're already doing the things at a base level of what needs to be done, right? Simply having a conversation. Simply having that conversation with your children. Now, what we really need to do is take that scope and, and, aim, and, and aim it more towards Christ, right? We need to calibrate, right? And for those who, um, who don't have their kids anymore in their house, you know, if you, if you're, if, even if you're a grandparent, um, unfortunately, you can't uh, get in the DeLorean and, you know, put the, you know, take the flux capacitor and go back and change anything. But what we can do is we can, we can make a phone call, right? We can make a phone call. We can say, simply say, hey, um, how you doing? I love you. I, I know I probably made some mistakes, um, but I want you to know that, that I'm here for you. I'm here for your kids. Um, I love you. I love them. Um, and I want to be here for them as they uh, grow up in a biblical, um, biblically discipled home. Um, because ultimately, um, again, it's about cultivating a, 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 an environment that treasures Jesus above all else. No matter where you fall in these groups, whether it's one, the first group, second group, or third group, once you know that God loves you, right, um, and he is your source. If you are... If, you're, if you don't have kids, he's your source. If you have kids, he's your source. If, you're, don't have, if, you're, if you had kids and now they're gone, he's your source. Okay? He's your source. Um, and I, I want you to know that because, again, when you walk out of here today, when it comes to this idea of adulting, we don't want to walk out of here with a list of do's and don'ts. We don't want to walk out of here with a, a, a list of things like, you know what? I think I need to look up for like some family devotions or I think I need to do this, I need to do that. No, when you leave today, all I want you to do, all I want you to focus on is simply trying to grow in your love for Jesus. Simply growing in your love for Jesus, making Jesus Lord of your life, everything else will take care of itself. Everything else takes care of itself. Um, and, and again, I want you to know, Reefort Community Church is here for you. Reefort Community Church is here to partner with you in the spiritual development of your children, right? You are not alone in raising your children. There are families here who want to surround you, who want to love you and help you raise godly men and women out of your children. Our children's um, ministry wants to help you build godly men and women. Our student ministry wants to help you build godly men and women. And you can't do that by yourself. You need people to surround you with love and with affection 
of Jesus. Because again, it is the love of Jesus that all of this happens. And if we serve, if we build, grow in love for our, in our uh, in ourselves, we grow in love for Jesus. Surrounding ourselves with people who love Jesus, everything else is going to take care of take care of itself. Right. Um, so let's pray, um, and then we're going to go into worship. God, thank you so much for our families in this church. Um, I pray that you would just continue to show them the love that you have for them. I ask that you would just simply um, give them the the tools necessary that it would. To, to have biblical family discipleship take place in their homes, knowing that they're not alone in that, knowing that there's not a, 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 a to go to laundry list of things that they need to do in order to make things happen in their home, to get their kids to love you more. Rather, it all simply just starts with our own personal relationship with you, the love that we have for you. And God, that in our love for you, that it just overflows and bathes our children in grace, that we would simply just know you, love you, and know that if we, as we're faithful and we're in, uh, we love you, that you are faithful to us to provide everything else that we need, including leading our own children to you, God. We pray in your son's name.